What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Dave. And this is Devin. And you're listening to the Dave and Dev Podcast. Dave and Dev. Gotta keep it real like Dave and Dev. On my job like Dave and Dev. Tell no lie like Dave and Dev. Some days I wanna stay in bed, but I get ready for the day ahead. I wanna complain, but I pray instead. Then I'm on my way to the Dave and Dev. And it go like, I don't need a crew. Don't play by he say, she say rules. Don't play, no, we can't do. I'd rather have faith while G-O-D make moves. So please stay cool. All, all I do is speak the truth on things I see they do. I'm a sinner myself. No lie, I need grace too. We lit like EKU. Yeah. Devon, what's up, man? What's up? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Saturday, April 11th. We're another day in our COVID quarantine, but we're here. We're here. Hey, you know what? It. I. I really lost track. Like before, you said the date. I had completely lost track of what day it was. <laughs> I think that's. Uh, I think that's pretty standard, man. I don't. I don't know many people that have uh, kept up with it, but you know, hey, we've made it so far and. Hopefully we're on the bottom half of this thing. What's up, y'all? Today's show is brought to you by O'Donnell Financial Coaching. O'Donnell Financial Coaching exists to empower you to take control of your finances. Whether you are in debt and don't know where to start, need help creating a budget that works for your family and your life, or even if you have questions about what to do with your wealth and where it should go, Adam, the owner, is a certified master financial coach that can coach you through your financial situation with the experience of someone who has paid off debt and with the knowledge of someone who is building their financial future with budgeting and investing. Adam offers coaching online, which is a quick and convenient way to get you the help that you need. Get in touch with him today to schedule your first session at adamcoachesmoney.com and connect with him on Instagram at adamcoachesmoney. And let them know that Dave and Dev sent you. Anyway, man, let's let's get started. I'm super excited. This is the uh, third installment of our Coaches Clinic series. I'm loving this. Uh, I, dude, I don't know about you, but I think this might be the, my favorite thing we've ever done. Yeah, Coaches Clinic has been has been uh, really good so far, man. I've I've really loved our guests and getting to know, like, getting the minds of uh, of our coaches and and see how they how they operate and and how they go forward in their day to day. Yeah, man. Me too. Me too. I, it's it's been so so cool. So we have a super special guest on today. Not that our other guests haven't been special; they've been real special too. Uh, but this guy, I've known him for a long time. Um, I actually went to elementary school with his sister, but I knew him because of her. And uh, you know, he was a little bit younger than us. But uh, I'm super excited to have him on. He's got an awesome story. So. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, tell uh, the audience a little bit about yourself, you know, um, your history and, and where you are now. Yeah, man. Hey, I, first off, I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. You know, I'm, uh, I'm excited to do this. Um, but a little bit about me. Um, you know, obviously, my name is Ryan Fink. I, um, I, I'm northern Kentucky, born and raised. Um, 
you know, grew up a, a Reds, Bengals, UK, Notre Dame, like, I mean, all, all those fans, you know, typical people around this area, uh, right. you know, I bleed blue. You know, you were asking me to tell my story, and, and, and I love to tell it because I think it's, it's pretty uplifting uh, just because it, like, I put my faith in the Lord and, and, and medicine, and it got me through it. So um, when I was four, I was, uh, I had, my mom had, she had a mom feeling. I had a little rash on my chest, and that ended up, she ended up taking me to the doctor, and, and I ended up getting sent from my doctor. I got rushed to the hospital, and after all the blood work tests and everything came back, I found out that I was diagnosed with leukemia. So I, I didn't show like, or I didn't feel any different. I didn't feel any symptoms or anything like that. It was just a, a mom feeling um, for my mom. So it's, uh, uh, it's crazy to, to see that, you know, it, it's crazy that, that she felt that and it ended up, um, you know, working out where I ended up getting the treatment I needed to. But when I was diagnosed, um, they said I was 99.9% full of cancer cells. It had gone throughout my entire body, which a, a blood cancer will do. So I was in, in, in really bad shape, you know, um, they said if I was riding my bike the day that my mom took me into the doctor and uh, they said if I were to have fallen and like, you know, scraped my leg or anything that my like my platelet count was so low that I wouldn't have been able to stop bleeding. And and it, it wow. wouldn't have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy. Like I didn't like I'm I'm four. So I was just more angry that you know I, I had to stop riding my bike it was the first nice day in january i just gotten this bike for christmas you know i was mad about yeah. that not you know because i didn't fully grasp you know the severity of the situation because i mean i'm just a little kid and but fast forward uh you know they i got on chemo right away um and, and luckily you know my body and my blood reacted to it very well um so i went into remission pretty quickly i was cancer free pretty quickly um but with leukemia if you're um, if you're diagnosed as a boy, you have to stay on chemo no matter what for at least three years and two months. And then if you're a little if you're a girl who has it, it's two years and two months. So even if the cancer's out of your system, you have to stay on chemo for that long. And um, so I was back and forth living in a hospital for a while. And and one thing that you know it, it was normal to me, but I didn't realize like the how how blessed I was that Cincinnati bell works with my dad really well. And like my mom, you know, she was, she's a, a stay at home mom. And I always had a parent with me. You know, I didn't realize that until just recently that, you know, the support that I had from them with, you know, them being in the hospital all the time, like I didn't realize how, like how many patients actually go through cancer and, and go through all their treatment without parents, you know, like, Man. because, because, um, you know, they can't afford to not work. You know, I'm, I was very, very blessed to be afforded the opportunity that my parents could be there. Um, and it was just a, like a couple months ago that I, I, I found out that, you know, I was, a I was in a different situation where people didn't, you know, have their parents around, but, you know, going, as I was going through treatment, you know, I, I got into public speaking pretty early, you know, I, I was probably five or six, and I got up at the Connor High School Student Council meeting, and they put a camera on me uh, when we were doing the pennies for pasta. Dave, you remember that? Yeah, that's <laughs> actually one of the first times I remember, like, uh, you know, hearing your story. Maybe it was, like, the second or third time that I remember, like, actually hearing you tell your story, <laughs> not just through your sister or anybody else. Yeah, I, um, you know, I was, you know, I, I, I went, I was at Goodridge Elementary, and the first time I spoke, I went to the Connor High School Student Council meeting. 
Um, I went to the Connor Middle School Student Council meeting. And, you know, I just told my story. And, like, I'm six. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I mean, I, like, I'm, I'm six years old. I have my mom there with me. She's telling, like, you know, the, the substance of the story. I say, oh, hey, I hate needles, but I get them. Like, <laughs> um, but, right, but, right. but it was, uh, you know, there was a kickoff for that fundraiser. And Connor, like, they let you, after, like, a certain time of day, you can go to the vending machines and you can put a dollar and get a drink. Well, that day, they ended up um, raising over $1,000 that day after I did my, um, after I spoke to the school. And, you know, instead of buying their drinks uh, from the vending machine or snacks from the vending machine, they put their money to pennies for pasta. And, you know, that to me, like, that, oh, wow. that meant a lot to, my, uh, to me and my mom, you know, and that's, that's kind of stuck with me. And, and I, I've grown to appreciate it more as I've grown up and, and as I've, you know, understood the, whole, the severity of the situation I was in. You know, and I said as, as, a, as a young child, um, because I was always, I was a Reds, you know, I didn't really watch a lot of cartoons when I was in the hospital. I watched sports, you know, and, I, and um, right. <laughs> you know, I, I learned how to play poker with my dad at five. I, I, you know, I, I didn't miss a single Reds game, but I was watching the press conferences and I'm hearing people tell their story that way. And I looked at my mom and, and, and she reminds me of this all the time. But I looked at my mom, I was like, you know, I want to do that someday. I want to be able to tell my story. And I was, you know, five. So I naturally, I knew I was going to play for the Reds someday. So I said, mom, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm a Cincinnati Red, I'm going to tell my story. And I can't wait to tell my story. And I'm, I'm you know, I was under 10 years old. So, in, in, so I stayed in, in public speaking and, and, and whatnot. I, like that ended up being my major when I got to college. And, um, you know, I just love being able to, to tell my story. And I'm very fortunate that, um, you know, my career gives me those kind of opportunities. You know, my first week at UK, I had a chance to, you know, Coach Stoops and, and Courtney Love, our director of player development, they asked me to, to speak at Coach Stoops' son's school. So, I mean, it, it's just Man. cool. I mean, like, I, I'm very new. I'm still trying to figure out where the bathroom at the facility is, and I'm telling my story. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, you know, it, it's nice. And I, I love being able to tell my story, like, through that. And, um, you know, just a little brief ending to it. On October 14th, 2004, I went for my routine, like, yearly checkup. And I had been in remission for about five years at that point. You know, it was me, my mom, and dad. And we were sitting in the hospital room, and it was at the end of the visit. And uh, and our and my doctor came in, and uh, and they go, Mister and Missus Fink, do you realize that your son is not considered cured of his cancer? And and that kind of like Man. that struck us. Like we we didn't like we weren't expecting to hear that this visit. Um, you know, it's all kind of a whirlwind. I mean, we we like we sat there. I mean, my mom and dad, myself, like we had a nice cry. It was like, I mean. You know, it, it was truly a surreal moment. Nothing we were we were expecting. And, you know, I was, you know, obviously, like I was like I said, I was blessed to go in to be cancer free pretty quick and and, and whatnot. I never relapsed. But to, just to hear those words, like, do you realize that your son is cured of his cancer? Like that is that is something that I hope, you know, I, I, I wish there like cancer wasn't around. But that was the best day of my life hearing that. Oh. Um, that I'm now considered cured. And so it's been over 15 years and, and, you know, everything, everything yeah. that the doctors said would, you know, I would have all, all the side effects. Like I would have stunted growth. Um, I would struggle academically. Um, you're just to, like to grasp any knowledge and then I, I, I wouldn't be able to play sports or anything growing up. And I never, I never stopped playing baseball when, after I was considered cured and they finally told me I could play football and, and that's kind of that's kind of started my, you know, progression to where I'm at now. Uh, I started playing football in eighth grade, played at Connor, 
uh, I was very lucky to be pretty, pretty recruited by all the OAC schools, all like division threes and NAIs around, um, you know, I ended up going to Heidelberg and playing and that kind of, that started my, um, you know, coaching career. I got to, I was named a, a graduate assistant like the day after my last game. And then, you know, I kind of jumped from there. Uh, I was two years at Heidelberg and then I've kind of moved my way up. Right on, man. Well, that's awesome. And that's an awesome segue. Thank you so much for your story too. Well, let's hop right into these questions, man. So what, you know, obviously the day after you were done playing, you, you were named a, a GA, but like, what was the reason you wanted to even get into coaching in the first? You know, I don't think there's, you know, I, I didn't wake up and decide I was going to be a coach. Um, you know, even as a player, I was always in the office. I, I sat in recruiting meetings and, you know, I helped out with, with recruits on the weekends. Like I never missed an opportunity to do that. And I made that kind of my interview, but you know, when I, when I interviewed at Ohio, I, uh, I was talking to Bart Miller, who was the O-line coach there. And, you know, he told me that the thing that stuck out with him most during my phone interview was that I called it, a, I, I said, this job is a calling, you know, or that it's not work, you know, being a mm -hmm. coach, I feel like it's something you're called to do. It's not yeah. something you just wake up and decide you're going to do. So for me, I've always had like a, a desire to, you know, tell my story. Like, like I was telling you guys before, but not only that, but like just to be a positive influence and, and, you know, be, be a, a like a, a role model for young men in that sense. And, you know, I still am a young man. I'm not even saying that, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 25 years old. I'm a year older than some of the guys I'm coaching right now. So, yeah. but, but right. it's nice to, to be that, you know, that positive influence and, and like, and, and whatnot. So, like I said, it's, it's not something you wake up and decide to do. It's truly a calling. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. So, what is uh, so what's the favorite part about coaching? Because you coach at a pretty high level, and I, I think that's amazing. So, hats off to you for that. But there's a lot of moving pieces there. So, what's the what's your favorite part about coaching right now? You know, my favorite part. I mean, there's there's so many things. You know, I, I mean, going from going from player to coach. Uh, I hated practice as a player and now practice is my favorite part of the day. Uh, I love just getting out and, and, you know, having the opportunity to, you know, coach guys up through technique coach scheme. And, and I'm very new at Kentucky. You know, I was there for two weeks before we got sent home. So a lot of my experience is going to be from Ohio, Wyoming and at, and at Heidelberg. Um, yeah. You know, I'm very, I'm very lucky to be at, at my dream school now. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces. But like I said, my, my favorite part of coaching is practice. And the, just because, you know, for me, I, I love to – I'm a process-oriented person. So I love to see, you know, our game plan that, that us coaches were putting together. I love to see it executed in practice. And if something's not working, we get to go back to the drawing board. So for me, it's fun to see what works. And then it makes Saturday even more fun just because you get you see all that work you put in during the week you know executed on game day and for football you only have 12 or 13 game days a year uh at least at, at the yeah. fps level so i mean it, it's fun to just to see all the hard work and all the pro all the like the the process and, and everything you did during the week um play out on saturdays you know what's what's crazy? So you're at, uh, so you say you've been at at your institution for about two weeks before all this stuff set in. What do you think will be the biggest challenge for you right now? Well, um, 
the, the biggest challenge for me is, you know, I'm learning a new system. You know, I've got the offense down pretty quick and, and, and coach Grant and coach Larman, I mean, they've, they, they've taken me in and, and they've, uh, you know, they've, they've helped me out in my, in my, you know, learning the offense and, and getting used to the vocabulary. But at the end of the day, like inside zones, inside zones. So I just got to learn their vocabulary, you know, and, and as far as the offense goes, I've got it down uh, at least everything the O-line needs to do and, and, or everything the O-line's a part of, I've got that down to a T. Um, but what I'm missing out on right now is probably the most important thing is, you know, I'm still, you know, very new with, with, to those guys, you know, they had um, their GA before is a good friend of mine. His name's Evan McKissick. Um, you know, he helped me get this, uh, get the job at Kentucky and he's the one who put me up for it. Um, you know, but he was there for three years. He played for coach Slarman. So like, you know, I have, I have shoes to fill in the sense of Evan uh, because he did such a great job there. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to build those uh, great relationships yet and then we all get sent home so that's probably I would say that's the toughest part right now it's just you know getting with those sure. players that's kind of what I was thinking too I mean I, I can't imagine because you know I think the, one of the most impactful things about coaches is how they you know kind of get to know you and they find out what what pushes you what makes you tick you know you're gonna have guys on that which by the way you may have gone to probably one of the best offensive lines in the entire <laughs> country uh, I know you know that. So, and Coach Slarman is a beast. So, uh, I, you know, hats off to them. They they have an awesome, awesome offensive line. I actually know several people that have, have played for him uh, in the last, you know, seven, eight, ten years. So, uh, great guy, great offensive line, great mind. But it's uh, super exciting, but it's hard when you, you know, as a coach, you, you really try to find out those players and what what you can do to help them. Because you're going to have players that are a lot like you, and they're you know process driven, and they they want to learn technique. And other players like they don't care about technique; they're just super raw athletically. And uh, you know, it's just one of those things that like you got. That, that's a challenge I can't imagine. So, my my next question for you is: Speaking of coaches, we just talked about Coach Slarman, but who is the favorite coach that you played for or have coached with, oh, and man. why? Um, the list goes on, you know, I've been, I've been you know, very fortunate to work with some great coaches, you know, a legend in the game, Frank Solich, um, you know, coach Craig Bull, um, you know, I, those are some big time names. Everybody knows coach Solich from, you know, playing and uh, playing at Nebraska, doing all those kind of things. Uh, coach Bull, what he did at North Dakota state, how he started, you know, the, the upwards trend of yeah. the dynasty. I mean, it, it's crazy because they were a division two program when he first got there. Um, but he was a great person to be around. But, yeah, I mean, it's very hard to pick a favorite. I would say, um, you know, obviously Bart Miller. I worked for him for two years, um, one at Ohio and one at Wyoming. Um, you know, he, he, he did a lot for me in terms of, you know, showing me the things outside of football as well that are important. Um, so for him, his biggest thing is I, he goes, I want my kids to know – who their father is. And so he, I mean, his family was always in the office. They welcomed me with open arms. Um, you know, when I was at Wyoming Barrett, his, uh, his older son, who's, I mean, five, uh, he goes, Ryan, are you a Miller? He goes, you're, he goes, you're here all the time. And, and, uh, uh-huh. you know, that, that struck, a, that struck a chord with me because, you know, Dave, I'm a very family oriented person. And, and for, you know, 
you know, those, yeah. those guys to welcome me in with, with open arms. And, and I truly felt like I was a part of their family, but um, so Bart's been probably the most impactful so far. Um, but I mean, that, that like, that doesn't take anything away from anybody else I've worked with, you know, you know, Scott Donaldson, he gave me my first job, you know, Jason Lewis, I played for him. I coached with him. Um, you know, Brian Haynes is, is a top five person I've ever met in my life. He, um, he's now at, at App State. And then, um, and then another person from Wyoming is definitely John Richardson. You know, he was a corners coach, but, you know, we didn't work on the same side of the ball, but, you know, he was, he was the tr truly the best, um, one of the best overall people I've ever been around. And, you know, and the list goes on and on, but, you know, those guys are, are some of the best I've, I've best been around, not just technique wise or, or, or football wise. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ryan. So I got a question for you. All right. And this is a little bit of a curveball in our coaches series, <laughs> but if, so a couple, a couple weeks ago, I did I did this uh I did like a we had no March Madness for basketball this year so I did a March Madness pool with with the favorite sports <laughs> movies okay <laughs> and I need you to tell tell the fans right now what is your favorite football sports movie oh man oh and there's no wrong answers except uh, yeah. There, I mean, <laughs> there's a couple. There's a couple wrong answers there, but you can go ahead. I mean, I mean, just know you're on you're on the record right now. So whatever you say could could get us. I mean, this this could this could ruin all all your all your clout. <laughs> well, I mean, I know you came in here with the with the hype story and everything, but I gotta tell you, man, you you get this one wrong, it's it it could be over. Oh man. So so I'm gonna start this off by. Uh, you know, the Stephen A. Smith burner account on Twitter where they post all those videos. Well, I, I mean, I save all those. I save all those videos. Oh my God. And one of them I saved yesterday was where he like he's yelling in the microphone. This is a trick question. You know, that, that's <laughs> that's how I feel right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but as far as favorite football movie, man, um, I would. It's tough, man. It's a toss up between Remember the Titans and Friday Night Lights. Ooh. That's good. Uh, uh, That's good. That's okay. good. Let me let me let me let me ask hey, you this question then. Is Remember the Titans the greatest sports movie ever? Oh man. Ooh. I don't know. I mean there's you can you can ask anybody I've ever uh, anybody I've met. They'll say, you know, Ryan, you stink at watching movies. I mean, I fall asleep through all of them. You know, everybody <laughs> everybody tells oh, everybody man. tells me that, you know, Coach Carter's a great movie. I haven't seen it. Space Jam, haven't seen it. You know, there's. You haven't seen I Space mean, Jam, boy. Oh, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> Ryan, during the quarantine, like I need you to watch Space Jam, okay? Like that's like, I like, know, I know you're a busy, deal. you're a busy person, and I know coaches got a lot on their plate, especially during this time. But brother, <laughs> you gotta watch Space Jam. You got, you gotta watch. It. I mean, at least one time to say that you've done it. I, personally, I think the movie could be just a little overhyped. But you still gotta you still gotta watch it. Just it's, it's a classic. Like, you gotta. It's Michael yeah. Jordan. It's the Looney Tunes. It's like, gosh, never seen Space Jam. Yeah, yeah, that's uh. But to answer your question, Remember the Titans is the greatest sports movie yeah. of all time. Don't you guys love how I, I found a way to dodge that question? <laughs> you did. No, you did. You did. Well, I'm gonna line us back up since uh, Devin Devin threw you that curveball. But uh, I know you play with a lot of really great players, and you probably coach a lot of really great players. Um, but I'd be curious at who of some of your um, 
the best players that you've been around, whether it was when you were playing uh, in high school, college, oh, well, or um, in college. You know, I, I'm like I said, I'm still getting used to the to the UK guys, but I mean, it's it's said over and over again. Everybody on that big blue wall, um, you know, Drake Jackson. I, I've he's our center um, at, at UK, and I, I mean, he's a really special player, man. He's really good. He's really smart. And he's also um, the person who gets the most crap talked to him in the, in the meeting room. You know, he's, um, you know, I sit and just talk right. with him. And, and I, I mean, we've probably, he's the player I've, I've gotten the closest with um, since I've gotten to Kentucky. I mean, he's going to be a really special player. Darian, um, Darian Kennard, uh, Landon Young. You know, I mean, those guys are, are really good. Um, but guys that I've, I've actually gone through a season with, um, far and away, the best player I, I've worked with is Logan Wilson from Wyoming. Um, he's he's a linebacker. I've like my first day. I was actually telling this story to my to a buddy the other day. The first day I walked into uh, Wyoming's facility, uh, you know, Bart's showing me around, and we walk in the weight room, and I'm like, we have Drago on our team. Like I walk in, and this dude, I mean, <laughs> I, I was like, Look, this guy looks unreal, and. And, you know, um, Bart, Bart goes, yeah, that's Logan. Um, he's uh, he's like, yeah, he's going to be a draft pick this year. And then, lo and behold, all the scouts are telling us, I mean, he's, you know, late first round, you know, probably maybe a second or third round guy. Um, I'm telling you, if, if he goes to the Bengals, I mean, he's – I'd be all in on that, you know, growing up a Bengals fan. And, I mean, he's a, he's a really special player. And, right. you know, I, he's the most humble um, – and I and in his edge, like he's, I don't know. There's not enough good things I can say about Logan. You know, he's truly one of the best people I've been around, and he just happens to be really darn good at football. Uh, but like I said, he's he's probably far and away the best that I've been <laughs> around as far as actually going through a season with. That's awesome. And speaking of the NFL draft, they're going to do the NFL draft online this year. Is that correct, Dave? Yeah, that's virtual. Wild. So crazy. Hey, I wanted to pick your brain though about one more person. Who is that guy that you played with at Heidelberg that went and played for? Uh, <laughs> oh uh, man, you want to talk about the funniest? I mean, he was the locker room glue guy. I mean, Dante Die is Die. That's right. A, I was trying to think of his he's last a name. Very special player. I mean, you know, there's there's the old saying is is if you want to make it to the NFL as a receiver, you got to catch 500 balls a day. And I have I've never seen somebody actually do that and make that a reality um, like Dante has. Um, you know, he, he worked his tail off. He was the funniest guy in the locker room. You know, he's like, he knows my family really well. Like we were at the, we were at the coaches convention in San Antonio uh, two years or two conventions ago. And that was when the AAF started. And that's where all their training camp was. The, the entire league was in San Antonio and, uh, he met up with me and took my phone and FaceTimed my mom, and they sat and talked for like half an hour on the phone. You know, that's just the kind of person he is, and he oh, hasn't seen he hasn't seen awesome. my mom in years. And, and you know, that's just you know, he's a truly special person. One of the like something that or somebody that um, you know worked for everything he's gotten. I mean, I mean, he he went from you know being being like a, a group of five uh, recruit. He tore his ACL, lost lost the season. Um, in high school ended up not being, you know, as heavily recruited anymore. And, you know, he used that, he put that, that chip on his shoulder and, and like just worked his tail off to, to, 
you know, get to, uh, get to the NFL. And, and, you know, he's bounced around a little bit. Uh, he was in the XFL for a while and, you know, RIP to the XFL now. Um, but, um, right. Yeah, man, Dante, I, I also, I can't say enough good things about him either. He's a, he's a good friend of mine, you know, heck of a football player. Dang, that's awesome. Man, that's awesome. And you know what's so cool, Ryan, and, and I love that you bring this up about the two guys that you talked about. Um, you talked briefly about their talent or about something, you know, they did on the field, but you mainly talked about their character and, and, and the things that they did off the field or the way they led the, the team. And I just think that's so important. And it kind of reminds me of what uh, Keegan talked about two podcasts ago with his, the coaches he's been around, it's like how impactful they were off the field was the same, if not more impactful than they were on the field. And I, I just think that's so special that, uh, you know, there's so many guys that we get to be around uh, in the sports world that, that have such an influence. And, and I feel like that's even more prevalent than like in business, right? Like I work in the business, you know, world and, and I, I mainly get to see a lot of people at like a business level, less of a, you know, how they are off the yeah. field, quote unquote, you know, per se. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's really cool to hear, like, Devrin and, and Keegan and you and, and Josh last week just talk about the um, the impact that happens, not just on the court or on the field, but what people mean off those spaces and, and how great of people there are in the sports world. So, so kind of going on the same on the same uh, line of things, Ryan, if you if you go, let's say this is 40, 50 years down the line and you, you you're done, you're done with coaching. And someone says, Coach Ryan had the biggest impact on me this way. What would you want your players to say that that you had the biggest impact on them? And like, how? Um, you know, it's and and it's not football. It's not you know anything like that. And and it's something that stuck with me that you know other coaches that I've worked for uh, and worked with, they they all say the same thing. You know, Scott Donaldson, he the head coach at Heidelberg, he says it all the time. Bart Miller says it all the time, and it goes along with what Bart said about his kids. You know, I, I like, he goes, I want my kids to know who their father is, but you know, you hear those guys and, and you'll hear me say it too. What I want is I want to show them how, how to grow up and be a great man, a great, you know, um, leader of a family, um, a great father. You know, I was blessed to have a, a great dad, a great uh, father figure growing up. And, you know, I mean, my, my dad is, you know, he's one of my best friends and, and, like I'm, I'm very blessed to have his leadership and everything that he's shown um, since I've been growing up. And, and, you know, that's, that's what I want to have is that positive in, influence to where they say, you know, coach Fink, we saw how he was to his wife who, uh, you know, she's non-existent right now. Um, but, <laughs> hey, that's okay though. That's okay. We'll put it on the prayer list. But like, you know, I have to, to see my example of how to be a great father, a great husband, um, a great brother, a great son, you know, yeah. those kind of things. Because to me, at the end of the day, you know, family's all we got. And, um, you know, that, that has to be, you know, no matter what you're doing, you know, family, you, like your home team is what there's a, a podcast that calls it the home team. You know, that, that's what matters. That is who matters in your life is, is who's waiting at home for you. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the kind of impact I want to leave, um, you know, in the future. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I feel like you can give like I know you you were you used to go around speaking all the time, but I feel like you can give like inspirational speeches. 
like all the time. Like because <laughs> that's one thing that I that I do appreciate about our coaches is that they're all very motivational people. Like they know how to get, like they know how to press the right buttons to get to get people to to do things. Was that something that was instinctive to you, or did you have to like learn um, how to do well how to do that? I would say like a little bit of both. I mean. Because obviously, like, I started speaking at the age of six. And, and like I said, I mean, I could tell you how the Reds did that night. I couldn't tell you every single treatment I was going through at that age. But what I was good at, like, it was just – it came natural to me to talk to people, to get in front of people and speak. You know, that that's natural. But it's also you learn mm. how to make people feel motivated, feel inspired. And that's through um, trial and error or – like, I mean, I was also a communication major – so like I, I studied right. communication theory for four years and uh, in college. Yeah. And, and um, so like for me, like I just kind of sharpened it when I got to Heidelberg and and um, and whatnot. And, you know, you just learn like how to talk to a group rather than talking to, you know, just two or three people. You know, it's um, so I would like I said, it would, it would probably be both because I've never had an issue getting in front of people and talking. But you just got to learn what makes them tick, what makes them go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I would like to ask that question to you, Devin. Shoot, we got a couple of minutes. Like, what do you feel like that? Oh, as a coach? boy. Is it instinctive? I actually think I suck at pregame speeches. <laughs> like, I, I mean, because I'm, I'm, I'm just so blunt sometimes. Like, guys, you know what you got to do. Like, you got to box out. You're going to win this game. So, like, I, like, I think, I think like, I, I think not natural for me. Uh, but I would say – it's something that I've had to work to work on a couple of years. Like, it, obviously, it's easy when when people give you like the whiteboard material, like somebody says something about you or they do something. And, like, um, but I've also come like kind of messed up. But like, I've had to like say things to my players that I know the other team didn't say anything, but I need some way to motivate my team. So I'll go up to like players that I'm like, really like emotional, mental people who play better when they're emotional. And I go up. I said, "Dude, this dude said that you can't that you can't rebound. Like you that you're not going to score on him today." And I've seen people have monster games because of that. <laughs> but then also on the flip side, I've seen people just I completely like it was my fault. Like I messed with that person. Hey, try to get them in it. So like, like I I am like I'm the the worst. Like if you, if you do if you put like you know two K attributes like on the video game or whatever attributes of coaches motivational speeches would be my <laughs> lowest skill. I, honestly, like I can do actions, I can do all these different things. I can work with parents. I can do all these different. But you want me to get people pumped up before a game? Uh, yeah, you gotta have to find my assistant coach for that. Hey, now, 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 Devin, do you care if I ask you a question? So yeah, go ahead, you, man. You brought up, you know, players. You've got some players that play better when they're emotional. Have Have you ever had yeah. that? Like, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word it, but. Have you ever had a player that's gone too far and has gotten too emotional where, like, how do you know to – do you know where that line is, where it's too far? Heck, yeah, man. That is a – that's a good question. And you know what? Hey, Dave and Dave – Dave, Dave, and Ryan, go ahead and ask me <laughs> questions, man. Uh, so, with basketball, I feel like it's a little different than football because in basketball, you got five times to get – to do something stupid and you're done. Or, or you know, like – you get, you get, you can get two technicals. I mean, obviously, and those those will get you out of the game. But five fouls, where you can be, you know, you can have like the emotional foul, like you, the frustration foul is what they call it in basketball. So, um, 
in a so that that's one way, but the other way, like having a player get too emotional, you kind of have to like zone that in. And how I zone that in is you you have to build up a rapport with players, and you got to tell them, listen, trust me, I see the same things that you're seeing, but you got to play your game, stay the course. And sometimes that's easier said than done, but like I I really do like I. As you, as I'm answering this question, I'm thinking of two players that I have right now, who would go, they go crazy if something doesn't go the way that they thought it was gonna go in the game. So whether that be referees or players or something, like, but most of the time they have to get their mind set up to the point where they're just gonna play the game and whatever whatever happens in the game happens, and trying to trying to get them focused enough. Uh, not to get frustrated by outside things, but stay fit their mind. Yeah, stay the, the course. Yes, and that's—I mm-hmm. mean—that's that's a tough—that's a tough thing to do, especially when you got people who are very, very emotional people. Because I didn't grow up that way, and like it, to be very, very emotional, in in that in that way, like outwardly emotional. Um, so it's it's very it's it's a hard thing to do is to get people to to focus on on those things. Because I mean, sports is. You never know how sports are going to go. Like, uh, like you never know when's the day. Like, you may be the favorite to beat this team by thirty, but then you end up losing by thirty just because they just had a really yeah. good night. Um, we, I played a, I played a, I coached a game this season, and we had the perfect game plan. They had this this kid who averaged like he he was averaging like twenty eight points a game. So I, we shut this kid down. And we shut this their second best player down. We're good. And I'm telling you, there was the kid who came. He he came. He comes off the bench. No one really knew who he was. Uh, he was. He looked. He looked like he didn't look like a basketball player. <laughs> and this kid had 23 in the first quarter against us. <laughs> and no, and no one knew who he oh, was. Oh snap! And I'm not kidding. The person at the scores table said, "I've never seen this kid make a basket in my life." And so just stuff like that, like, wow, oh my goodness. like we, everything was perfect. And we ended up coming, we, we came back in the game. We ended up losing the game by six. But the fact that this kid just, he could, he couldn't miss anything. I mean, he was hitting mid range, three pointers. I mean, the kid, he could have just shot by, like over his head and he still would have, he still would have made it that night. He just had a great night. And at that point it's, we just got to stay the course and ride this wave until, and hopefully it ends it ends soon, but that's how, I mean that's the frustrating part about coaching and, and being around players, though. Good question, man. Well, listen, Ryan, that was awesome. <laughs> Second, you are more than welcome to be on this podcast anytime you want. You got some good questions. Uh, I know that we appreciate it, and uh, I'm super excited to get this one edited and get it out to the people. And and uh, I, I also, you know, you talked about your family, man. I, I love your family. Your mom is I, your mom is one of my favorite people, bro. Like, I love your mom. And uh, your dad is awesome, too. And, and your sister and, and brother-in-law and your brother. Like, you guys such a good family, dude. I'm so, so happy for you and glad that you're back in back in Kentucky to be near them. Right. And uh, I'm excited to see you on the hey, football man. field, man. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm ready for that I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's uh, It's been fun. You know, I feel like this is – uh, Deb, I, this is my first time meeting you, talking to you. I feel like we've known each other for a while, man. Like, it's just kind of flowed. You guys, it's, hey, it's a good thing you guys are doing. It's I'm, I'm glad you guys had me on. And, and yeah, man, shout out to my family. I mean, they're they're the best. I mean, Miranda, Adam, and Rose are in the house sleeping right now. And 
I'm out. I'm outside on the porch, trying not to be too loud to wake him up. But um, you know, no, you're fine, man. We got a little birds chirping in the background. So we got like we got a nice little mood going on here. Yeah, I like this. exactly. People are gonna be quarantined and chilling oh, listening man. to this one right well, here. Well, yeah, but you when you're on the podcast, man, your your family, we have we're at the table, and so we get just get to sit about different conversations and. I really appreciate getting to know you a little bit more in this podcast and having you on. And I would love to have you on the podcast again. So absolutely, you're hey, thank you guys. But you can't come on the podcast again until you watch Space Jam. <laughs> that'll be the that'll be the the, the prerequisite. <laughs> Big facts. Yes, if if you can't tell me if you can't exactly, tell me exactly. how Michael Jordan won the how he had the greatest dunk <laughs> ever and won the game for the Toon Squad, then I don't want you on. <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey i'll get i'll get to my own word <laughs> yes please well they, look man go. uh it's been it's been great having you um i appreciate i appreciate it nope thank you guys so much until next time peace so-